0: You're listening to the Screeners Podcast
1: Network. Welcome to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Tyler. And I'm Kate. And this week we are talking about the newest episode of Star Trek Discovery, but we have some announcements first. Um, I'm really excited. We have we have hit 50 episodes. Actually, this episode is episode 49. So don't get too excited, everybody. But next week is our 50th episode of The Next Trek. And Kate, you've been here for it's this is probably 15 or something like that for you. Maybe if maybe a bit more closer to 20. But yes, yeah, closer to 20. Yeah, that's awesome, I, and and so we're we're super excited. So in honor and and actually, I, I watched this yesterday, so I don't know how honorable it is for our fiftieth. But mm. uh, in honor of the fiftieth, and in honor of the the Picard show that's coming out in theoretically at the end of the year, we decided we were going to talk about Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, have you watched it yet, Kate?
0: I have, and you have? there was laughing and groaning, mm. so this is oh. going to be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, sometime this week, I think uh, on Wednesday, uh, we're gonna we're gonna sit down where we're gonna uh, talk about Star Trek Nemesis, much like we talk about Star Trek Discovery every week, um, and actually kind of also like we've done with our geek card checks throughout the last year, and sort of just see what there is to see about the movie that killed the the, the franchise, and we'll have a lot of fun doing it because I think this is not a movie to take too seriously. So, uh, so there'll be a bonus episode next week. We're gonna have two episodes coming out uh, in the next week. Which is going to be very exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. And curious if you guys find anything to forgive now that a number of years have passed mm. since
1: it was on. So, yeah, maybe it's it's rough. It's a rough movie. Yeah. But well, anyway, well, you spe- guys will hear. Yeah.
0: Speaking of geeky goodness, um, are you yes. uh, consuming anything really interesting uh, right now, Tyler? I
1: have. I have. It's been weird, actually. I, I just saw, we were talking before we started recording, I, I just saw Shazam, which I think is wonderfully geeky, and, and you guys can actually hear the Screeners podcast, our sister podcast, uh, is going to record an episode about that tomorrow, So uh, and I'll be on that episode. Uh, so you guys get three doses of Tyler in the next week, which is, uh, I, I don't know, terrifying or, or sad. Fasten I don't know. your seatbelts, y'all. Yeah. Uh, I Just a couple of random things I was thinking about I played the game Munchkin for about six hours about a week ago. Have you ever played that game, Munchkin? No, I'm not familiar with this one. Oh, it, okay. It's about as geeky as you can possibly get. So it's why I, I chose it for this, uh, this little discussion Are you a member here. of the
0: Lollipop Guild or something?
1: It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little bit like the Lollipop Guild does Dungeons and Dragons. Uh oh. It's, it's, a, it's not a real, it's a role-playing card game. And so it's there is a board with 10 levels on it and you get you know you're, you're uh, you can you know get a class, you draw cards for what class or what race you are and things like that. And then you fight monsters and you know stab your friends in the back and, and things like that. It is it is a delightful, delightful game. And I'd played it in a few small bursts, uh, you know, many times over the last few years, but I sat down with a few friends and we played it. I think it was six hours straight. We played two games of Munchkin and it was, Delightful. So, if anybody, if anybody wants to play Munchkin, or if anybody's just ever curious about like just having a good game night that's real geeky, uh, play Munchkin. I, I think it's fantastic. I have to you ask who played like... Toto. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, actually, I feel like there is. See, well, okay, here's what's weird. What's weird about Munchkin? There's all these extension packs that you can get. If you see them at Barnes and Noble, they will do like. Uh, like the Marvel extension from Munchkin or there's mm. a Shakespeare one or something like that. I actually think I've seen a Wizard of Oz one um, where there was a Wizard of Oz Munchkin. There should be because it's just, be.
0: it's perfectly set up for it. So why not exactly. lean into the jokes? I mean, yeah. although Shakespeare sounds like fun because if
1: you can like Shakespearean insult duel, I am there. I, I would bet you, I actually just uh, got it for this uh, for this friend of mine who loves board games. And uh we haven't played it yet because it's still in my car in the wrapper. But I'm I'm expecting a lot of a lot of Munchkin oriented Shakespeare insults. I think it'll be great. Bring it. What about you, Kate?
0: Well, um, I am reading Tiamat's Wrath, which is the eighth ah. book in the Expanse series. I am yes. a super fan of the book series as well as the show. Um, if you remember uh, last fall, we got to interview one of the co-writers of the book series, Daniel Abraham. That was a highlight of my year, easily one of the best moments of twenty eighteen. Fantastic! It totally we
1: should was. see if we can get him again for for Team at Wrath. Although I'll have to read it. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit behind. I'm definitely behind you.
0: Yeah, well, I just want to tell people out there, if you have not read as far as this um, book in the series, please don't read any reviews on it because the first sentence is a spoiler and it kind of gets oh, wow. worse from there. So uh, it's it's off to a great start. I'm maybe a third of the way into it and um, um, it's, it's already a good book. So they'd have to do a lot to mess it up. I don't think they will. So it is great. Um, if you have not read this series... Do yourself a favor. You you need to do it. Absolutely, they're fantastic. Um, And the other thing that I have to contribute is I watched the second Fantastic
1: Beasts movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah,
0: um, that was not what I had hoped. I'm afraid. And I asked a couple Potterheads uh, who are friends. You know, is there something I'm missing? And they're like, no, no, it's just a bit of a mess. Um, And I can see the potential of the movie, but it just never found its way to delivering. So that I want to
1: like I love expanded universe things. I love things like that. I love Harry Potter. I mean, it's I I have read those books countless times. It is so terrible. It's it's trying what she's you know, the difficulty is that uh, Rowling is trying to fit a seven hundred page novel into mm-hmm. two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's too many plot threads. There's too many things going on. I, I don't think that the plot threads are bad by themselves. Um, maybe maybe one or two of them are, but uh, but that there's just too much going on that it, it loses track of what we're even supposed to follow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a trend of more ensemble cast type filmmaking, but not every writer director I manages to figure out how to make that work. And this one's a mess.
1: Yeah. Yep. And and uh, it also. Uh, with that the Harry Potter universe has now joined the the just garbage trope of movies where there is that gigantic blue light coming out of the sky mm-hmm. and you know shooting into the sky and, and a bunch of chaos surrounding it and then and then it's over and then it's really stupid
0: yeah that seems to work best for people who never watch any geek films and that already yes. decreases the odds they're going to watch this anyways and if you are in universe if you are someone who watches this all the time you just sort of look at it and go why been there done yeah. that I mean we had mm-hmm. a been there done that in the Red Angel episode this season and that came from being in you know th- this is the world that we consume so we
1: see a yep. lot of these things. Very true. Cool. Well, should we get on to the actual episode at hand? All righty. Let's go for it. All right. Well, so this week we're talking about Through the Valley of Shadows, which is the 12th episode of the second season of Star Trek Discovery. Um, it is written by bo Yun Kim and Erica Lippold, who wrote some uh, a really, really good episode last season, and I looked it up, and now I've, I've missed which one that was, but I really like them. And bo Yun Kim is really interesting to follow on Twitter, mm. um, and it's, it is directed by, du- uh, by Doug are you not koski doug nope i'm saying it wrong doug arnie okoski yep. hats off to you for swinging there <laughs> oof yeah um i i have loved our i think our our creative team on star trek discovery but they have there's many of them with difficult to pronounce last names and mm-hmm. you know what i don't blame them it's on me but anyway yeah, w- we will learn so this week we're talking about s- what we will learn we honor them we will learn we will learn so, this week on Star Trek Discovery, a fourth signal leads the USS Discovery to an insular world where Pike is forced to make a life changing choice. Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship gone rogue, leading to a discovery with catastrophic consequences. So, short mm-hmm. and sweet, what did you think of it, Kate? So,
0: um, I have probably three points and highlights. We have the return of Tegnotaro, which is absolutely wonderful as you might expect so that makes it. oh happy. she's so good yes um, then we have um, the Spock uh, Michael Burnham mm-hmm. sibling relationship I think is continuing to trend upwards in how great it is uh, to see the two of them together and how they interact um, and this was also a big episode for Pike for connecting to the larger continuity of mm. the Star Trek universe we'll certainly talk about that but that was um, a key point in this
1: episode I yeah I think I agree with all of your with all of your notes I, I I'm sure we are gonna dig into the the Pike's fate uh, storyline for lack of when a better Pike word gets but I, I would say it again <laughs> when Pike gets peaked <laughs> oh my gosh oh. <laughs> I've it's, been saving that one i, I mm, I'm, mm, it, it, that was that was so it was actually hard to watch mm-hmm. that that was a hard to watch scene and maybe I, I don't know we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more later but that. That is a scene that I think is is one of the most memorable of the of the last couple seasons. I, yeah, I, I don't want to really add too much to what you've said in, a, in the positive way, because I really liked the episode overall. I hated, hated, hated Time Crystals.
0: I, yeah, we're in agreement make, they, on that. They, that was my number one nitpick for yep. this episode. I just wanted to roll my eyes, especially since it was a featured aspect rather than a side fact yeah. of whatever it, it was the core focus i like the story around it i thought that was yeah. interesting agreed but yeah the crystal itself I'm, I'm trying to just accustom myself to the fact that it's there as whatever mcguffin yeah. needs to be but it's it's not a favorite
1: yeah i'm trying it's like you said trying to, to kind of take what they're giving me um there's it's so hard in the star trek universe when when it's something, you know, there's fifty years of canon that that are around it. Not to mention, you know, any of the any of the books and things like that. Um, and I and I'm really trying hard to not be one of those those toxic fans who you know wants to mold the fandom to what I want it. It's it's more of because I'm I'm very open. I think I've been very happy, not even just in general. I I think almost in totality with with Star Trek Discovery. Really happy with a lot of things that they've given. There's just been a few things that it's it is like, yeah. Mm, it's not that this isn't a story choice that I disagree with or something like that. It's like, this is fantasy. It's not Mm sci-fi. You know, we're getting now like time crystals would not be out of place in star Wars. Frankly, you know, like it's, that seems like something that's very star Warsy or, or in, uh, Lord of the, frankly, Lord of the Rings or something Mm -hmm. weird like that, where there's certainly, or Dr. Thank you. Actually, that was really what I, what I was, what I was thinking about. In fact, just, I wrote this down in my notes. So, there's a point at which they're on Boreth, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, w- we are the-, the masters of time. timekeepers." And I said, does that mean that you're the keepers of time? Does that mean you are a time lord? A lord of time? Uh, or- I anyway. feel
0: like there's possibility. And I feel like the Doctor Who universe is large enough to encompass Klingons being time lords. <laughs>
1: And in that universe, I would have no problem. In <laughs> fact, I, I kind of would love Klingon timekeepers in Doctor Who. I think it'd be great. I, I, like, but it's just it doesn't fit in the sci-fi world that we've gotten. and it's not even time travel. Like we have we have had time travel as key things and key, amazing things throughout Star Trek. It's much more of it's almost the mystical, ultra fantastical element that that just didn't work for me. But, it's like
0: the Prophets of Deep Space Nine but not as cool and not as believable.
1: I was thinking the same thing cuz yeah, I was start, trying to think where else have we had messing with time that seems ethereal or theme seems, you know, not grounded in science fiction and it and at first my first thought was the Prophets as well. But they but we get the the fact that they are aliens, you know, Cisco always calls them the wormhole aliens except mm-hmm. when they're talking about when he's talking to religious leaders. Um but it's, it's the fact that they are aliens that have been, you know, deified in the minds of the people who have experienced them.
0: They're in another dimension, not
1: unlike the Q continuum. Right. Which, and that, that even goes back to, uh, was this this season or was it last season or something else entirely? You know, was it Arthur C. Clarke who said, you know, things that, you know, super advanced technology would be indistinguishable from magic? mm mm-hmm. um, we have maybe that. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm really trying to, you know, Chris isn't here so we can talk about headcanon. If I'm (laughs) really trying to make this fit, you know, maybe this is some kind of a, you know, there is some kind of a basis that. Is it any stranger than a spore drive? I don't know. uh, Which I, you know, that's true. And I didn't love the spore drive when it first came out and but i've kind of accepted what it is but if you think too hard about it then then, it's it's
0: more of a it's a convenience which there's a lot of things that have been happening in this season that are a matter of convenience and i think we've we've disagreed and argued and been frustrated over some of those before but in the end it allows instantaneous travel so okay but i think it's when you down when you overload a story with too many conveniences yes then it kind of breaks the believability of the universe
1: I think I think we're there because we sort of settled on the spore drive thing. We're, we you know we're mm-hmm. fine. We're fine with the spore drive. It lets us go wherever. We get interdimensional and instantaneous travel, uh, and now time crystals. And we are you know? the red angel is already was already a, a stretch too. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we're being able to jump through time because we again, like we've said, we've had time travel whether it's the prophets that are doing it or whether it's uh, you know the slingshot around the sun, which. Eh, you know, plays with relativity a little bit, but, you know, I, but we've accepted that. So mm-hmm. eh, it's fine. And, and honestly, weirdly, I accepted time crystals completely readily when Harry Mudd mentioned them. I had actually no problem. And it, they weren't a feature. And I don't plot know why that is. Though. Maybe it's just because he's a con man. I think it's because True. they weren't a feature property. It was just point. more. When, we're you, having when fun. you rest the fate of the
0: galaxy on time crystals, True. that's that early sentient life rather. That's it's mm-hmm. asking you to believe more of them.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Um So I kind of Any this, other any other mm-hmm. negative stuff from the episode that or that we want to just get out of the way before we get into The happy stuff because there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in this episode after a couple of rough of rough episodes we
0: might bump into a few things but i think that was the one big rant i needed to have that now clears the
1: way for us to talk about everything else (laughs) all right no i like it well where do you want to start anything anything pressing that you want to kick off with um,
0: I want to start in a very easy, fun place, which is yes. Tignatoro's storyline oh, through this. She's I mean, so technically good. it's the Colbert stamets line, but really it's hers from my perspective. Yes. Um. So I love that we get to see her again in the mess hall where the crew are having fun and they're playing, uh, what is it, Auto uh, Antonym? Was that the name of the game? Yes. Where she and Linus were throwing down. That was funny. That was hilarious.
1: Which... The auto-antonym game, I, so, so you know, you're, we are both, you know, pretty intense readers and I'm an English teacher and, and the auto-antonym game, I'm like, how can I use this in class? Like, mm-hmm. I think it would be fun, but it, it, my brain isn't completely there grasping it yet. Yeah. It's one
0: of those, I think that once you start playing it, you figure it out by playing yeah. it, but it works better when you get, you're playing with somebody who already gets it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's almost like the oxymoron game or something like that. It's almost there where it's two contrasting verbal elements, but yeah, very yeah. interesting. Anyway.
0: Like the words apartment where it's apart in it, but then they're close together. Yes. And, you know, related ideas. So yeah. 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 So that was a lot of fun to see the interplay that we get to see the crew relaxing and having fun and it mm-hmm. wasn't a setup for... Ooh, crew having fun. Now it's kill somebody off like Arium. Right. Like it wasn't a setup uh, for um, tragedy. It was just a setup for furthering the storyline with Culber and Stamets and mm-hmm. uh, Jet um, going, all right, I'm going to mess with this because I need my engineer to be on his A game. And so I'm going to stick my nose in here with her, uh, what was it? Her her medical, needing um, medical attention with her finger holding Yes, out. oh,
1: I, I loved both of them. I thought both of those scenes and, and it's, it's even on the heels of jo's weird thing to, yeah, you know, was it not two not episodes like ago? Scene.
0: this one I did that one I did not.
1: Yeah. That where that one didn't work and this one does. And so it, we almost have the universe conspiring to, you know, to get the two of them back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought... I just loved her. She's so blunt. You know, it's... You have a second chance. Don't screw it up.
0: Right. Period. But the perfect you know? comedic, dry humor yes. timing. I mean, she... And Wilson Cruz, like, they, they played that scene perfectly. Down to Absolutely. the the mini competition uh, over, you know, um, the ridiculous wedding things that happened for the two of yes. them. Yes.
1: Oh, no. Good point. Yeah. No, I, I liked... I like that. Any time... Basically, anytime that Tignataro, Jet, uh, Jet Reno, I, I think we haven't said her name yet, um, anytime she is on screen, mm-hmm. I am delighted. Like uh, she practically her.
0: chews up the scenery. Like if, if she's not in the scene with somebody equally as good in this case, she totally was in both yes. scenes, but she just, uh, she's perfect. And I'm so she glad is. that the uh, show producers have left the door open for, you know, whenever Tig Notaro has free time, she can be on yeah. the show. You know, they're not forcing her to commit. Otherwise I don't think she could do it. So
1: right. that's been well, really She's great. almost a uh, oh, oh, Barkley and Yoda Mixed or something like that, where you know there was for every season of of Next Generation, she was, uh, she you know I said she uh, Barkley Dwight Schultz was just he had there was the Barkley episode every every season or so, mm-hmm. but this is every couple of episodes and I love it even more and and she's not you know a disaster of a human so
0: yeah that's nice and she's competitive as she was with Linus and with Culber mm-hmm. but in a fun way rather than a tear you down kind of way so uh, right. she works on every level I think absolutely. Um, so I think, um, um, having, she was the perfect, if we were going to have another Culber-Stamets thread, she made it the best way it could be. Otherwise, I think we're approaching the whole... getting tired. Exactly. Exactly. And so she kept it from being
1: tired this time. Because it wasn't dramatic of, um, like... Yeah, two two episodes ago in Red Angel, where there's just lots of brooding stares, mm-hmm. or or whatever you know, or, or um, the failed. Even I, I rewatched my parents were. I was just visiting my parents in the last week, and and we um, rewatched. There were a couple episodes behind, so we watched Red Angel and we watched Perpetual Infinity, um, and and so I, I had rewatched that scene for. It was a third time for me seeing the Kolber counseling scene mm-hmm. with. With The Admiral um, Cornwell. Yes, with Admiral Cornwell, Jane Way was stuck in my head because mm-hmm. we just watched Nemesis. So I, it's like, just he's not Jane Way, um, and it, it was a, that was a burdensome scene. Yeah. It didn't work. Uh, like again, he, they're trying. It's it's like the show is trying to figure out how to get them together, like how to how to to smush them together, rather than letting it happen naturally. And so we had yeah. the the weird fisted Giorgio sexual chemistry scene oh, that yeah. was strange. We got the, the Admiral Cornwell, we got lots of brooding stares and the, you know, it may never be the time to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And then we get, we get Reno who's much more weirdly, much more blunt about it. Right. But is, and it is works so delightful.
0: Yes. Yeah. It works so well. Yeah. It's like, we need, uh, we need the space to root for them as a couple, but because they get so little airtime, they have to yeah. be on the nose about it. Cause there's not enough time for us to just have drive by shots of things happening. Right. And so because they're so on the nose about it, it's like, all right, we got it moving on yet. And so yes. um, uh, it's a little disappointing because um, the relationships on the ship you know that's that's the whole thing about all of the star trek shows is whether it's professional relationships or personal relationships that's what really drives it and so we want to root for those and enjoy them but we don't want them shoved down our throat either
1: right well especially in a serialized format where where we can from episode to episode see something develop or or you know if spock and, and michael would be the the good example we have not seen them together um we know that they have a on uh, an, uh a relationship that is very filled with animosity from the from the very mm. from the get-go mm-hmm. and yet we're seeing softening and growth just in the what are we on four episodes now that spock has been in yeah, about that. let alone pike and his relationship with the whole crew this one you know the the Colbert and stamets relationship just seems it seems very forced from the way that they brought him back and, and where it was, it was so natural before. Maybe maybe we're meant to feel awkward about mm. it.
0: That's a good you know, point. Right and and um, to be honest, the later we get into this season, the more curious I am how the show will play out when it's done airing. And I can go back and binge watch the mm-hmm. whole thing to see if the way it fits together feels different than this episode by episode where we're having right. to wait and there's threads that we don't know the, the i'm not going to give any specifics but the preview for next week it's like oh that's where some of these things that happened earlier in the season will finally start to pay off they seeded those things early but those are things that early on were like why did they waste airtime on this when there are other things right. that they could have been doing with storytelling and so with a full season arc put together some things might be less irritating or more so we'll find out
1: <laughs> that's true that's true
0: yeah, yeah. Um, our other two threads are essentially the Burnham Spock one and the Pike one. I'd kind of like to leave the Pike one for last because I feel yeah, like yeah, me- that's
1: that's our meatiest one,
0: right? And the episode
1: ending really is built around that. What do you think? You know, I completely agree. Let's let's hit uh, Burnham and and Spock, and and really my my biggest thing with that is, I. I love their banter. It's a smart sibling relationship.
0: And even the noise that that after Spock announces that he is going to go with Michael when she is uh, going to head off and uh, look for this Section 31 ship that's uh, late checking in, um, whenever Spock just pretty much states rather than asks, I'm going with you, her, oh, was such a sibling kind of sound to make.
1: Oh, it absolutely was. I I completely agree. It it, and and even just, you know, when we've had seeds of that, like when she makes fun of his beard a mm. few episodes ago, or things like that, we they are now having. It's also that adults' relationship, yeah. you know. Where at, at beginning they, you know, at the beginning they reverted, right? And and we do that with our siblings when we when we, you know, when we're with them for a while, we revert back to some of the stupidness the dynamics you know, that, that we had growing, growing up. up. Yep. But then if you can have a good relationship as as adults, um, you know, we they actually begin to have deeper conversations. They are leaning on one another and supporting one another and I and I've loved seeing that. Mm-hmm.
0: And Spock even calls mom and say, "Here's what my sister's going through right now. She might appreciate hearing from you."
1: Yes. Oh, good point. Yeah, very, very good point. Yeah. I, it just it it really, really works, but but the thing that's nagging at me and this is not a problem that I have uh, with it as much as it is a um a, a, how are they going to deal with this in the future is what happened to michael burnham mm-hmm. and yeah and w- why they have to have thought about this like this is where this is one of those where a few like a few episodes ago where i i have been um i kind of just want i just have to trust that the that the show has thought about this going forward mm-hmm. um and not like Cybok. I think they forgot Cybok. or and or we're happy are following for him to be forgotten. And, and we're okay with that. Yeah. Or they've just taken Gene Roddenberry's advice who said that Final Frontier was not part of Star Trek. So mm-hmm. fine. Um, But but they're making Michael Burnham such an integral part of that family. Mm-hmm. Not even just Spock, but that whole family. Um, and we have never heard anything about her. And, of yeah. course, that's the prequel issue. But they have to have thought about that. So are we eventually going to get, you know, are, you know, are we going to eventually going to get Michael Burnham is out of time, you know, it, literally out of time. And that's why we will never hear from her or something along those lines. Are they misleading us with even season three, mm-hmm. you know, and where she's all over, like Chris said, she's all over the season three promos. Right, right.
0: Is my operating theory at this point, the last time she was truly public in the eyes of the Federation was the season one decision she made and you know her being in all the trouble going to prison Mm -hmm. etc despite all of the laxity and looseness of of security in this season you know being ridiculous about section 31 and the rest of it the rest of the fleet isn't aware of what discovery is really up to their true mission the details of that and so the very secretiveness of what they are doing in a way sets up a future where um, I, I can see Spock's family, if they can't talk about what's going on with her, it's a more straightforward decision to just not talk about the person than if you can't say anything about them. Because if you if you start referencing that time I hung out with my sister and the rest of the world, for all they know, that ended with the Klingon War, right. that invites questions that you don't want to answer. And so yeah. uh, there's certainly something to be said for, you know, does she survive or does she wind up in a different timeline in the future, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's lots of possibilities there. And I'm really curious with the Picard show and any of their later shows, they do have an mm-hmm. opportunity to seed in some things that are happening now. And I'm curious if right. they will, or if they'll just completely ignore it's, that and work yeah. because they already have enough continuity continuity issues to deal with when you have an entire canon
1: to pull from for what you do with characters. It's very true. And it, and it is the, the Picard show is going to, in some ways have some luxury uh, that that discovery doesn't have, mm-hmm. you know. Discovery is is playing, you know, in this little. It's almost like a trash compactor. If we can cross our <laughs> our sci fi references too much, of of things, you know, they've got canon on either side of them. They've got right. Enterprise, um, an original and then series, got, and the rest. And right, and it's and and they, I mean, honestly, like I, if I was if I was creating a show, which you know would be my dream come true, mm-hmm. if I was creating a Star Trek show, I would not set it there just for that pressure but maybe well i think you know, enterprise ruined it for
0: pressure. him that way because i think that was the point yeah. of Enterprise is we go so far back we don't have this problem except right? then enterprise got canceled after four seasons and now what do you left yep. to work with and it
1: was far enough back that you did have like a 100 years to work, 150 years to right. work with you know yeah so it, so anyway the, the picard show which you know i'm thinking about because we just watched nemesis and, mm-hmm. and are going to talk about that i'm i'm it got me super excited for the picard show despite nemesis flaws um, but it just, it, I, I thought a couple things. One, I thought exactly what you said, that maybe we get some Michael mm-hmm. references in some weird way, you know, just to, to make it real for those people just who are going to try. Just please No Red Angel. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. If he just sees a red burst in the sky, oh, that's so the bad. opening scene. He's like in his vineyard, you know, tending some grapes and red burst. We'll save that for the satirical YouTube version. Oh my gosh. That, yes. Um, yeah, so anyway, I don't, I don't know where we're <laughs> we going rails with that. There. But.
0: So we have them on their side adventure there where we come out of warp into a field of yeah. bodies that have been vented from the Section 31 ship. I have to right. say the set design folks must have
1: had an absolute blast designing all of oh, that. 100% they did. Yes. I, and I thought it was well I thought it was well set up. I thought it was, it, unfortunately I, I keep resolving every single week to not watch the next time on discovery. Mm-hmm. And then I end up watching it cause it shows up so fast and I don't think about it. Uh-huh. Um, cause they do a good job of making me want to know what's next. Right. Um, but this, you know, that, that field of bodies was in there. And I I wish I hadn't known because that's a startling oh, thing to yeah. see. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I will
0: say the reveal that uh, Lieutenant Gant was actually control. That
1: was obvious, I thought. Oh, f- the first moment. I was like, oh, there's one. Oh, you're right. There's one thing left. One and body and definitely... he's in a suit, too. Okay. Uh-huh. Um,
0: yeah. So, no, that, didn't so that sequence, it it was... It was interesting the first time through because it's like, where are they going to go with this? But like, Mm -hmm. I didn't, the only thing I really enjoyed in any meaningful way in that sequence was uh, the Spock and Burnham uh, back and forth over things, especially whenever this replicator style version of Gantt is trying to like sticker in the eyeball to, to assimilate her should i use that word um oh
1: it, it cemented the borgness of it all more than even last episode did yeah
0: and then uh, you know chasing after her and, and trying to get to her until spock finally uh manages to magnetize the floor to stop it yeah i kept seeing the the crumbling version of gantt is like the replicators from start um stargate atlantis Mm-hmm. Um, the pieces that they would fall in. And yep. I have another Stargate Atlantis reference for our, our last part of this show. the show. Are there
1: replicators also also in uh, just SG-1 as well? Because I haven't seen Atlantis, but I have seen SG-1. Yeah, like circus season 10, I think. Oh, I've seen more than I thought I saw. It, that's interesting. Wait, are they, wait, am I just remembering wrong? Are they the little spidery things that run that around?
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, they're that, way earlier than them. that, I
1: definitely didn't get to 10. I think they're like 5. Anyway... Five, Tune in wow. next time for our okay. Star Trek SG-1 podcast that we'll be having.
0: Absolutely. Who knows? We'll do that. Yeah. Clearly, I need to do a rewatch on that one, so we're, we're ready, right?
1: <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll do it. Quark is in, like, episode two, and I'm ready to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so, that whole sequence, I could pick it apart for what it's doing for the plot, but overall, honestly, right. I don't care. Um, no. I cared most about brother and sister doing their thing, mm-hmm. and... You know, I guess it was important for Michael's emotional journey because she's got the rage that she's feeling over losing her mom again and all the pieces of that. But it just um, I don't care enough about control for that sequence to truly mean a whole lot to me.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I think, yeah, what it does is it does two different things. It does, like you just said, the, the relationship between. Um, Michael and Spock. He's now saved your life again, and and things like that. So they're they're cementing even more. Um, and it also, I think, I think confirms my theory about the about Michael Burnham as the right angel. Um, she is. What does it Spock? I, I wrote I wrote this down, but I didn't write down who said it. I think it's Spock. He says that that um, uh, control that Michael is the one variable that control cannot account for. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me. The last, so the last time they used that phrasing was when they were talking about her being the red angel and they were wrong, but I think that they're still right. She's still somehow out of time, and and you know she will be out of time in the future. And that is this variable that they cannot um, account for, which is why they're trying to kill her off? You know, very much in a yeah. John Connor. Sort of way, Absolutely, yeah. Terminator comes up a lot throughout this. Yeah. Um, Gant also says to her,
0: "Control, Gant, uh, you are the most effective tool. You too can be mm-hmm. reconstructed. Like even Control recognizes her significance. Right, their don't.
1: biological distinctiveness can be, yeah. you know added to their own. Right. Yes. So there's clearly
0: something going on there, and um, Control's a solution to that it, it it makes me question how much of the host's memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I, then these many versions of control running around. How much the host memory they have access to, especially since it's you know dead,
1: which is why yeah. um Spock Vulcan pinch did not work. That was hilarious. Well, I don't think that the Vulcan. Now we haven't seen you know Spock. With the Borg, well, now we have seen Spock with the Borg, but previous to this, we have not seen Spock with the Borg. Um, we don't know. Will the Vul- did Tuvok try and Vulcan neck pinch any Borg at any point in time? I don't think so. That's to my um, memory, but I wasn't particularly nitpicking the Borg at that point. So <laughs> yeah, it's. I think yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't need to say it again. The, they are the Borg. That's yeah. You know.
0: Well, we'll see, but yes. Yeah, so um, I do want to take a step back to earlier in this sequence when Barnum is asking permission to go from Saru, and they were commenting, she was commenting to Saru the changes in him and whether mm. the former version of him would have been so, you know, okay with this, and... Yeah. One of my quiet pet theories about season three, we we had the question of who will be the captain after Pike. And I'm wondering if the changed Saru is ready to be that captain now. Because I kind of wonder if his threat ganglia sort of made him hit a kind of glass ceiling for how far they would promote Mm -hmm. him if they were worried about his fear taking over.
1: Or even if he wouldn't be ambitious enough to to go for it or just be able to pass pass muster. Um, I, I would agree that if... I think there's there's a few different ways we can go next season. Um, I don't think that I don't I don't see Michael being the captain. Oh, agreed. Um, Michael is not meant to be captain, or at least not at this point in history. No. Uh, yeah. Not at this point in history, maybe in the future. <laughs> uh, um, like in the far distant future in 950 years from now. Um, We've already learned fine. the future uh, is not written. So, you know, our headcanon <laughs> says true. it's possible. <laughs> that's true uh sorry chris <laughs> <laughs> the only thing the only other thing that so i it's so I, i love the saru idea i think i think that is a great idea the only other possibility that i think they should pursue and they've already you know they've already wrapped filming so they've already decided what they're going to do but um would be i think that we have a defense against the dark arts teacher situation where they have a new captain every year yeah which i hope not though i I secretly do. The only difficulty is Pike has spoiled that for us mm-hmm. because he is so awesome as a new character that, you know, it, it almost only makes sense. Like you've said, it almost only makes sense to have Saru next season because we know him already and he's grown into that role mm-hmm. as a good captain. He, he explicitly says it, you know, he, uh, and I didn't write down the line, but it's something, uh, you know, I, I'm now a different captain than I thought I would be or something along yeah, those lines. It would also
0: make Trek history to have a flagship um, um, story helmed by a non-human captain and I would just love to see that
1: yeah very 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 true I mean look how
0: long we had to wait to get a female captain for Pete's sake so why not like really broaden that out because Saru he's proven that he can engage with the ethical and moral quandaries and um, he's diversely talented in the way that like all of our captains have had a wide range of skills and competencies beyond just being a great captain and and he he also you know fits that realm and i think he has the foresight and vision and it would push his character uh further forward in an interesting way
1: i would love to see uh, a Suru captain Mm -hmm. i i really would uh he uh, because he needs to also to temper his new boldness a little bit yeah Um, and the captain's chair is a great place to learn that lesson right 100%. Yeah. yeah the only
0: reason why i would not want him to be captain is if they are going to be doing defense against the dark arts because i don't want to lose him because he was captain right right exactly yeah yeah so did, did you have any other comments from from this thread of storyline
1: i don't let me double check my notes here but i don't think so i really think those were um oh very small very small thing um I'm fairly sure that trapping an AI in a computer program is not how like computers work. <laughs> like it like they just they hit like new folder and and then like typed in uh hey control go in here and then and then you they, they know, called the folder time, bait, I'm sure. <laughs> they they called it bait and then they, they just maybe they selected all of the control files and hit like, control, like delete. make new folder <laughs> with selection or something like that mm-hmm. and so that it all went in there but yeah but then it stayed there and they and they locked it i
0: it, i fully believe that point. was just gant snowing them into stupidness and it worked
1: yeah that's you know what okay that's a good point because i i they said that it worked except for this one thing this except it's, why it's Spock weirdly in a biological it, okay. ent- entity whatever. Yeah. Cause I can it's see fine. why Michael fell for it because Spock's
0: point was clear. When you're dealing with rage, you're not thinking logically. So I can give yes. her a pass, but come on Spock. Didn't you have a question? But okay. Yeah. Um, that's fine. My, this reminded me, I had one small nitpick from this uh, sequence. Uh, whenever um, Barnum is in the call with her, her mother, with Amanda mm-hmm. uh, and she references control and the problem that controlism, like, it, was it no biggie that that yeah that m- Mama Sarek knows this stuff too? Like, does she have that kind of security clearance? It didn't
1: seem like I it. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, wait a m- Who, Sarek, have you been like just sending messages to your wife, like updates? Like, does Sarek know? Sarek obviously knows Section 31 because I think he's a part of it. But does he know but how far th-
0: control was out of control?
1: Right. <laughs> Because I feel like that's also not something you want to spread around the Federation, right. like, at large. Like, that's that's bad. <laughs> right, and at the but, very least, yeah, it's no, not like, I thought so,
0: Mom, do you know about this? Because I'm not sure if I can talk about it. She just, you know, says it. Over an open
1: channel. Right, yes. Also, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but
0: hey, we're we're already playing fast and loose in this show, so I guess it's no. in in theme, in the annoying theme of they talk too much about, you know, loose lips sink
1: ships, right? Anyway. Or loose lips eject an entire crew out of a uh, airlock not as pithy Maybe. but I, I feel your <laughs> does that <there>? not work as <laughs> well <clears throat> yeah 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 uh, so yeah for me that was that was pretty much all i had i i really i'm raring to talk about pike though mm. how about you
0: yeah i'm ready w- w- let's go okay. there
1: which i don't know do we need to set this up or do you think we just we talk directly about it i think we just talk directly about it what uh, just uh What did you just, how did that, the whole storyline, let's talk about it big, maybe big to detail, you know, uh, broad to to specific. um, How did that storyline hit you with just the fact that he's confronted with his future and he's like, forget, forget the weirdness of the time crystal part of it. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that he is confronted with his future and has to make a decision whether he will follow it or not. So we already had the weirdness of
0: if you have seen enough of the original series to see. What happens to him? It's it's hard to forget that, and we go in with that knowledge. But I don't think that in any way diminished the experience of watching him confront his fate in this sequence. And this whole sequence yet again demonstrated who Pike is, oh. um, because after he has the the visual of what happens, and his you know his, his hands thrown back in horror near his mouth, and you can just see the whole devastation he's feeling over what his revealed fate is to be but then his hand slides down and he is holding his his Mm uh communicator and that reminds him who he is and you know reminding himself that he is a starfleet captain and what it means to be a starfleet captain and this was another one of those like it would have been a stand up and cheer moment except it was just more the emotional devastation means you can't really say nip and cheer, but you're having right. the whole, yes, that is who you are. And knowing, rather than perhaps guessing what could happen to you, knowing what will happen, you still choose to make this personal sacrifice. You choose not to take, not not to, what was he said, not uh, abandon who I am for a future mm-hmm. ending that I hadn't foreseen or something to that effect. That. Oh. That was really powerful because we all know that there is a chance that we could face infirmity as we age either through age itself or through accident or illness, but to know with any kind of certainty mm-hmm. that by making this decision, you are choosing that future,
1: that's hardcore. Oh, I, I completely agree. i I thought this was the defining Captain Pike moment, yeah, um of all of them. and we've we've seen him be amazing throughout this whole season. Um, but and I, I want to read that full line because I, I absolutely loved it. He said, "So he, he sees it, and and the the timekeeper, who that timekeeper was, Laurel and, and uh, Tyler's Volk's son. son yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, but yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's the time lord. Uh, so he says. Uh, so he sees his vision, and and he says, uh, the the time lord says, there will be no escaping your future if you take this crystal. Pike says to himself, you 'You're a Starfleet captain.'" you believe in service, sacrifice, compassion and love. No, I'm not going to abandon the things that that made me what I am because of a future that contains an ending I hadn't foreseen for myself. No, give it to me. Mm. And I love it was like bring it on future. Yeah. And oh, and I I thought in, in the last few days I've really thought and I wonder, you know, what you can what you think about this or what what you um can build on with this. How would each of our other uh, captains have fared with that same choice mm. because uh, Picard, I think Picard would have made that choice. No, no question. I think, I think he's Picard the easiest would have said, one. Give it to me
0: because he, he makes, I mean, he was a Borg for a while. He, he, he right. makes these sacrifices and he's he done
1: willingly this. walked over there. Yeah. You know, um, Oh no, I'm sorry. They took him off the bridge. He had gone over there in the fr- uh, one point first, but, um, but agreed. Right. He, he would make that, that choice. Kirk, I think Kirk would take it, but find a way to hack it. Yeah, he would try to find a way around it or a way to Mm -hmm. reset the
0: situation if he at all could. Or he would blow off his future and say, you know what? The future's not written. I'll deal with it if it comes up.
1: I think he would have... Yeah, I think the gravity would not be there as much as as with Pike. Agreed. Kirk would have taken it with much more of a... I don't mean cavalier in a flippant way, but in a... uh, We'll see. Yeah, like... Yeah, we'll see what happens, right? Um, he'll find a way to get out of it because he doesn't believe in the no-win scenario. This yes. is Pike's no-win scenario, right? right absolutely. Um, um, and and Cisco gets Cisco is the only one that has given a very similar, yeah, um, choice. Being be, not not in the we know your future. Uh, although I guess at the end when he leaves, spoiler, he leaves at the end of uh, all good, uh, not all good things of. Uh, oh, what we, what you be, what you leave behind? Yes. Um, and but at the very first episode he's he is fated to be the emissary Mm -hmm. you know so he's and he he fights it for a while but then embraces it um yeah very clearly what yeah very clearly so i see janeway as
0: a she's got she's like the 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 bold-faced bravery of
1: we will do this however we have to but we will do this yeah and and i think she would still have I think all of our captains would have taken it, right? Right, but they their way of it. handling it would
0: have been different. Yeah, yeah,
1: their way of processing it. Archer's the only one I really i I don't know. Maybe it's because we didn't spend as many years mm. as you know as the others. But Archer, you know, I guess the the closest thing we had was like the Zindi War, where they knew the future was was coming at them, and and they had to they had to fight it, and he was going to try and talk his way out of it, much like I guess Picard. Um, but I think. I think you still would have taken it. I just think he would have dealt with it. Yeah. More... He didn't
0: have the same kind of boldness. He had the anger. Um, yeah. True. That,
1: Especially in that storyline.
0: Right. Because after the Zindi attacked Earth and the losses there, the, the anger propelled him forward. And right. so, but he, he wasn't like, there w- he, I guess he's using a different set of tools and emotions to make that
1: call. Yeah. He also doesn't have Starfleet yet. I mean. True. Very true. There's not the the prime directive idea or anything else. I mean, he's certainly... He's like a prototypic,
0: but not the Mm -hmm. final or the later, I should say, evolved form of it.
1: Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah,
0: that's an interesting question. I feel like the whole season's been building us to prepare for pike in this moment and so the mm-hmm. the stands that he's made throughout the rest of the season some of its classic star trek and we love that yeah some of it was introducing who this man is but it's all been setting us up for him making this decision and we believe it emotionally right. and logically and we um um whether or not you believe in the overarching control story of the end of the species, you have to believe that enough for this sacrifice to matter. And right. I was a little worried that it would not matter because I've had trouble with the control storyline, but he sells it so completely. Oh, he does. Um, and, and yet, the, the one point that was a hang up for me... Is not how he does the scene, but how this episode keeps on making the point that the future is not written. You still have yet to decide. And this is the one thought- thing that defies that and mm-hmm. says this
1: will happen if you do this uh, rather than it might happen. I thought the same thing. Um, the The way that I... I so I also like it in that same way. Uh, Tenovic says, uh, a warning captain, the present is a veil between anticipation and horror. Mm-hmm. Lift the Veil and Madness May Follow. And I, I thought that that was an interesting way for them to get – a not to get around it but sort of to to make those two kind of crooked puzzle pieces fit mm-hmm. where we've gotten all of this fate stuff. I mean this is the major theme of the season. One right. of them has, has been fate. Um, and, and this is the one time where it is – They're saying it is certain Mm -hmm. Um, with everything else, you know, the past, the future can be rewritten or or it hasn't been written yet because we are jumping back and forth and all around in time. um, This is something that is that is fully set. Um, And the fact that it's him
0: is kind of noteworthy because he has been on the faith side of the faith versus science that we've had going on. Because I don't think that with Michael Burnham, it would be this whole science doesn't, you know, support this. So whatever. Um, Right. So I think it's key that it's him.
1: Because I, I actually I think Michael Burnham would have taken it and, and and gone, well, that's just mysticism anyway, or something like that. You know, she would have she would have rationalized her way out of it.
0: Right, right. There wouldn't have been the emotional resonance because that's not who her character is. Yeah, um, and we've been conditioned within star Trek, she also died this
1: season already once so it's like minor details
0: (laughs) um but we've been conditioned to really focus on and revere whoever the captain is of the flagship Mm -hmm. of each of the shows and so the result of that has made it a lot harder for captains to sacrifice themselves for their their ideals or for their crew or whatever the situation not that it doesn't happen but you know that card's going to be there next season right. after he becomes, you know, a Borg of Locutus. It just, you know that, you just don't know how it's going to happen. Right. With this, more can happen because the captain's chair is mutable. And so yeah. that lets them take risks and make decisions uh, plot-wise that they could not have otherwise done.
1: And in a way that I didn't expect because we know, weirdly, we used our knowledge, uh, not against us, but you know, almost against us, right? Mm-hmm. In the right way to... to uh, to show us you know, we knew this is where Pike would end up yeah we've known it uh, right you know, since, since episode I guess not since episode one but episode like 15 of the first season when we when we see um, you know this this um, guy in a wheelchair with this horrible burn you yeah. know we, we've we we've known that for a long time um, even in the the um, the 2009 movies there's even some weird foreshadowing of Pike sitting in a chair he's in a wheelchair at the end of I think the first one mm-hmm. um where where it's just some foreshadowing he's he's able he's going to get out of it and we see him walking around in the the third one but but it's it's a really interesting discussion here of this of this fate because we i did not expect for us to see it i did not expect for us to see this thing that we have been told about for 50 years now we have been told that this is what happens to captain pike um yeah and a
0: man that we've been Watching in the prime of his life, in the prime of his capacities, and it kind of it taps into a very deep psychological fear Mm -hmm. for humans because death is one kind of fear, but significant uh, life-altering disability is a whole other one, and um, it's something that uh, we tend to do a poor job with handling because we don't want to face it because it's such a hard thought. And so, um, I applaud them for going there because it could have been hokey and stupid. And I I think they're doing it well, but mm-hmm. at the same time, if we get to see that scene play out, cause we've got what, two episodes left? Is that mm-hmm. correct? If we yep. see that play out, um... I I think it's it's heightened the expectations of that scene working yeah. well because after this if if it, if it sucks like the red angel reveal that's just going to blow this amazing character that we've we've built all the way there for. And there's a scene in the previews that it's like are they going to do that? And so we'll certainly discuss it right. next week, but uh it, it's it's up to the bar, I think.
1: I'm I'm so intrigued by where we're going to go and, and you know how we're going to leave Pike and it's going to be a bittersweet ending, you know, Mm -hmm. especially now with just that reminder. Yeah. That, you know, of where he will end up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's talk about Tanavik for a minute. Um, by the way, that was my other Stargate Atlantis reference. He looks a lot like a Wraith. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the makeup for some of the rapes is very similar. Not not exact, but I
1: was having that moment of,
0: huh, Stargate and Star Trek, same universe. Okay, I'm digging it.
1: <laughs> I, You know, I'm down. And Robert Picardo was in both, so I think we're, I See, think we're fine.
0: There, there you have it. He's our connection. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit hokey that he was a baby three months ago, and somehow his proximity to the time crystals means that he's white-haired yeah. and fully grown now.
1: But That was literally the least, weirdly the least of my problems with this. I was like, eh, if, if yeah. we can get on board with time crystals, then I guess we can get on right. board it with Right, it seemed less of a time. hurdle,
0: but I think yeah. if you can ignore some of the hokeyness around the time crystal and what that means for his character, I did like what that meant for Laurel and yes. Vogue slash Tyler. Um, it also gives a reason for Ash essentially wasting his time a lot of this season right uh we now know why we also got to see laurel again which this is probably one of my favorite klingon interactions of this season but it was also probably the least klingon in many ways i liked seeing the monastery and Mm -hmm. uh the monks there not just navic it it adds dimension to the klingon world that isn't we have probably not seen since Deep Space Nine.
1: And we've been to Borath, too. Right. You Warfare. Know, uh, you know, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I like that added dimension because Deep Space Nine was, I think, what? That's the only show that's really dug deeply into, in any meaningful way, into Klingon world beyond just war, right?
1: I, we got a lot in Next Generation. Um, Did we, But, but I, I would say more continuously and and more deeply, yeah, in, in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Because we got more... It was more like politics in Next Generation. Right, but that all fit with the same layer.
0: sort of warrior culture, and you didn't right. see much beyond that. True. Um And so... Because that's been one of my frustrations the with, the, with the presentation of Klingons, is they were too monolithic for my comfort. And mm-hmm. this... There was nothing aside from the guards protecting uh, whenever Pike took a step forward. This was in no way about that. This was no. um, Laurel's personal life and the threats to her empire and her chancellorship. If, if this gets out, this is, you know, monks and what they're doing. And holy cow,
1: the Klingons have had a time crystal planet all right. this time. that we That we decided not to use. They say something like that because of the... Uh, the rem the problems that it could cause, or so they. I mean, it's actually showing. Oh, they're not like just also impulsive or using this to. Oh, yeah, because about every um, version
0: of the Klingons we've seen over the years is their their bloodlust is great enough that that overcomes their rational mm-hmm. thinking frequently, and so. It makes me think that this must be fairly secretive. That maybe only the upper echelons know, or certain people know, mm-hmm. or the chancellor
1: knows about the and, time crystals. Because otherwise, you know. And I don't think she knew about it because she seemed surprised that he had, that he had grown up there. I don't, I don't know. It was, well, she didn't she, know about sorry, she she didn't her know. kid growing up quickly, but she knew the crystals were there. That's true. That's true. She didn't know how what the effect was. Right. Oh, this is something I meant to ask. Why are they there? Well, I'm sorry you were breaking up. What was that? Oh, why? Why are they there? Why are they on Boreth? I, 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 did not, I did not understand. Why does Pike need a time crystal? I didn't get that. Get that.
0: Because they, um, the one in Burnham's mother's suit was destroyed, and they're still looking for a way to send Discovery forward because they've determined that they can't delete the sphere information from Discovery, and so they're hoping that they can still send Discovery.
1: Uh, into the future which is why we had the end of the episode where they've decided to blow up discovery um which that i that i got so like uh, the end of that i thought there was there must be something else because uh, i I thought there must be something else that i was missing that was my only problem my only question in the episode was uh, why do they need the time crystal oh they're trying to do this but we've also known all about this slingshotting around the sun thing for a long time why are we not doing that maybe it's just not precise or or whatever but um but, okay, I just, I thought I might have been missing something, but I guess I guess That's I the
0: stated reason for it, but then they throw that out the window and we will just blow Discovery up. So it seems to me so, that it was more of a pretext to have the Pike facing his doom yeah. scene and to wrap up Laurel invokes kid storyline. Um, right. So, yeah, it's not, which kind of makes the time crystal bit a bit more ridiculous. But if... I actually
1: have a theory with that, then. Okay. So I actually think... So this this is, so I thought that at first, and then I I think this is what's about to happen. So right, the the last line right is is you know contact number one, which finally I was like, please t- don't tell me they got Rebecca Romijn and and had her for one scene and yes. that was it. So it's and it looks like we've got nice battles that are going to happen next next episode, which I'm super excited about. I always like they have the the CG to make their space battles look great. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. Uh, the, you know, let's... Contact uh, number one in the USS Enterprise. Rendezvous with us. Let's evacuate the Discovery. We are going to... I think the last line is, we are we are going to... Or we have to destroy the ship. Yes. Is, a, is the last line. So, they have this big old time crystal on, on the Enterprise, right? They can't use it because it would take the power of a supernova.
0: On the Discovery, not the Enterprise, but yes. Oh,
1: d- oops, sorry. Discovery. <laughs> okay. Uh, they have... And, but they need the power of a supernova to use it, right? Yeah. Which is why... Michael and her mom and dad were, were where they were to, to harness the power of the supernova to charge the whatever, whatever however that affects the time crystal. Right. That's what they were there for. I think they're going to destroy the Enterprise. The time crystal will be on it. That is going to blow them into the future. Destroy the
0: Enterprise? Did you mean to say I that? I keep saying Enterprise. Okay.
1: The Discovery. <laughs> Sorry, I watched I watched Nemesis last night. I, I have Enterprise on the brain. Um, they are going to destroy the Discovery with the time crystal on it, and that is going to blow them 950 years into the future mm. and get us to uh, Calypso time. So if Calypso has no crew on it, does that
0: mean everyone has died off? They or have, the,
1: oh, because they have evacuated the Discovery to the Enterprise.
0: Okay. Okay. So does that mean
1: that we have the discovery B for season three? No, I, well, I, who knows? I, I, am gonna assume that somehow. Oh, and sorry, to, to round this out, we have contr- uh, control the AI on the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or at least the information. Part of the information is 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 uh, there, which means discovery has the information to develop itself into an AI, um, eventually, um, hopefully a benign one, not not crazy control and but it has the information to be able to do that we've seen it be a good ai in the future um and i think somehow it it was told if you remember in calypso it was told um i was told to wait for them i was told to wait for my crew Hmm. and so whether that's just an interpretation of the order. But this also then ties into the fact that I still say Michael Burnham is going to become the Red Angel because there are these bursts that we don't know about. We don't know why they're there. There's some pattern to them, but we don't know what it is. We know that she, she knows about her mom on Terralisium. We, we know that she knows a bunch of this information. We know she knows that Saru needs to go through the uh, – the the I forgetting what, what it's called, the Vahari um, – she knows all these things somehow she's also going to be the, the red angel in this and it's all going to she's going to bring the the discovery back okay but her
0: mom not only didn't know about the lights but didn't care
1: oh that's why. i mean it's it's michael burnham it's michael burnham Right, but her mom's been
0: following things. burnham around like a creepy window stalker for, for ages now
1: oh yeah but this is future burnham
0: so you're saying that because this that happened after her mom lost suit traveling capabilities, that's why her mom doesn't know about it?
1: Mhm. Yeah. That's what I think. Hmm. Interesting. And hopefully it'll fit better than than I have connected it, but this is this is what I'm I am I am 100% I still think I'm right about the red angel uh, Michael Burnham being the other red angel and and but it's fine if I'm, I'm wrong. I am 100% sure this is what's going to happen with discovery is but why would they blow
0: up discovery with the time crystal on it why didn't they take it with them
1: because it's too dangerous for us to have out in the universe but uh so you're going to subvert
0: pike's sacrifice by going this thing that you're losing your future for we're just gonna blow it up
1: yeah that sucks (laughs) (laughs) no i'm fine with it i have no problem because the time crystal itself isn't what what has locked it? It's the fact that he took the time crystal.
0: Right, but for his sacrifice to be meaningful, we don't just like toss it out the window whenever
1: it's inconvenient. Maybe he drops it, and like a little, a little, a little thing chips off. There's like a little, a a little chip at the time crystal. This, that's, that's the hair splinter, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's that's what's on on discovery when it blows up and shoots itself in the future. <laughs> sure,
0: no, no, um, Jet Reno. And or maybe sp- they
1: figure this out. Maybe it's not an accident. Maybe they, maybe they you know, they figure it out. Spock, Spock assumes this was going to happen or something. Um, you know, maybe it's on purpose later. Well, but.
0: it certainly opens up. Um, it, it, there's questions for debate there.
1: Um, I, uh, I'm not. so I, I hope this happens. I'm really excited. If it, if it does happen, that's what I think is going to happen.
0: I'm curious what it all means. If we are not correct about clips, Calypso, but I think we kind of have to be because every other short trick has strongly informed this season in one way or another. Well,
1: they. They've been so specific about she got knocked. You know, nearly a thousand years in the future. Calypso, we could keep calling the AI Calypso. What was her name? Was it Zora? Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So and Zora says, you know, I've been here for almost a thousand years, or almost a millennia, or something like that. And so it's like, I I just yeah, I feel like they would not be that ignorant about it, especially because they had they also had the one of the head writers on on Picard is writing it, so they're they're prominently putting. You know, Michael Chabon, Pulitzer Prize-winning author. Mm-hmm. Michael Chabon wrote that one. He's he's one of the head writers. If he might even be the showrunner, but I think he's just a, a, one of the writers for Picard. Like they're putting these people in prominent places, and and we can't ignore it you know we shouldn't have to ignore it
0: well and it seems like every other random loser thread of the up of the season where they just sort of let the thread keep dangling and then remind us periodically that that thread is out there dangling they're beginning to tie that all together now so there's
1: something to be said for i mean two episodes left it's what functionally a two-parter i think so that's what yeah because they i think they actually extended it it was originally Mm. 13 episodes and then they said 14 Um, I wish that means they would air it as a two-parter, you know. Yes,
0: because normally when I know something's going to be a two-parter, I just wait for the second one to come out before I watch it so I don't have that agony.
1: And because of this podcast, I won't be able to. I'll have (laughs) to suffer that. that. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Although, what I will say, like, it does does seem, I, I guess at least... At least you know going in that if there's this you know crazy cliffhanger, mm-hmm. you know that they're wrapping it up in the next episode. Um, not that there won't be a you know some kind of a cliffhanger at the end of the season, but right. um, it does make me wonder. Also, we had our Enterprise arrival at the end of season one. And that was our big, huge, major. You know, oh my gosh, you know, is are we starting a, a seasonal trend? Somehow <laughs> appear and walk onto the bridge. Oh, my I goodness. will. I will lose my mind. Like, just putting it out there, I will lose my mind if Picard, like, shows up and-, and Yeah, like, if we get to see like, young Kirk, and would be like, oh, Easter egg, whatever. But if Picard showed up, I would lose it. I- yeah, I could not- I will not be able to handle that if that's what happens. Yeah, so. totally, totally. You guys will just hear me crying on the podcast. That's what's gonna happen.
0: I'll be like, he's- he's back. <laughs> just be whimpering, yeah. and then you'll stand oh. on your table and start saying, oh, Captain, my captain, and it'll be like, oh. okay, calm down.
1: I will. I will. I I make a vow right now. <laughs> if Picard is here, I will. I don't. You, there won't be any proving it because this isn't a video podcast. I will
0: know, and Chris will know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I will stand on the table and say, "Oh, Captain, my Captain." Do I'll do the whole the poem. Table, so I'll stand on my chair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anything else that we want to say before we wrap things up? I think that covers it pretty well. How about you? Yeah, I think. Let me double check here. Other than, nope, we got to. Yeah, I think we've gotten to everything I had on my on my list. All right. So uh- as a reminder to everybody, we are uh we're watching Nemesis this week and gonna talk about it in honor of our fiftieth episode. So look for a bonus episode coming out. Um before, hopefully before the next the next episode drops because um then we'll be the fifty first. But that's and that's a problem. So anyway, uh be looking for that. Watch Nemesis uh, along with us and let us know what you liked and what you don't like. There are some Nemesis apologists out there who just deeply love the movie. Um I I think, spoiler alert, I think you're slightly wrong, but I would love to hear from you and you, for you to tell me why I'm wrong and why we, I'm, I, I don't know if Chris, maybe Chris is, guys, maybe Chris is a nemesis, just lover. Oh, maybe he loves it. It's
0: possible. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Data's song that sells it for him.
1: It's, that's true. That's true. Chris, you you can, you can
0: tell us how wrong we are, or if you don't listen to this uh, recording in time,
1: then we can say all these things and you'll never know. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, well, as always, everybody, you can follow us on Twitter at The Next Track. You can find us on Facebook as well. And uh, we would love – oh, we also, I should mention, we are now on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn. I'm working on iHeartRadio. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts. So, so I'm, we're really trying to get us out onto to all of the major platforms. So find us there if, if uh, you know the basic – if the generic ones aren't good enough for you. We're on the premium ones now too. It's very exciting. So uh, as always – Stay tuned and and let us know what you guys think and live long and prosper.